Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6 a.m. on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. Joining me now is Mark Littlewood, who's Director General of the think tank, the IEA. Good morning, Mark. Thanks for being with us. You're on TV. Really appreciate your time on radio. Um, Your think tank is uh, considered very influential in terms of free market thinking and influential with this government. What do you make of this reversal? Why did the government do it, having defended it so staunchly for days? Yeah, I mean, this is a political judgment, I think, about party management, really. Uh, I mean, as as an economic purist, I would have got rid of the 45p rate. It's a bit obscure to have a 40p rate of income tax and then a 45p rate. It raises next to no money. You might even get higher revenues for abolishing it because people wouldn't game the system as much. Uh, So that would be my view from an economic perspective. But as a senior Tory MP put to me just yesterday, he said, Mark, I get your job. Your job is to run a think tank and be a purist. But he said that his job was to be a Conservative MP and try to get elected. And the way this looked and, uh, was that it was a government that was trying to assist the rich more than the poor in a time of a cost of living crisis. And look, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor have made a political calculation that this is not the hill they want to die on. It's a relatively small part in economic terms of mm. the overall package. I mean, it's a tiny fraction of the, the energy package they put together, which will, could run to well over billion pounds and rather than having a fight with the likes of former cabinet ministers like Grant Shapps and Michael Gove they've they've decided to kill it dead now and hope that that kind of stems the bleeding and they can move on to other things. Otherwise, it probably would have been the dominant topic for this conference. That's their calculation. Okay, but then the overall package in and of itself is massively problematic. We've seen huge gyrations in the space of a week after the budget in terms of gilts and and sterling. Um, Do you think that the government now sticks to the broader package then of announcing massive tax cuts before any uh, figuring out how they're going to pay for it. Uh, you're quite right. Colonel. Listen, a problem this does not solve for them is they are going to have to show the markets that they've got some plan on spending constraint. I, I think that was broadly what spooked the markets. You know, by all means, have lower taxes. By all means, have a package to help on the energy uh, bills that households are facing. But how are you going to pay for it? The government hasn't yet answered that question. And this change of 
tax policy doesn't get anywhere close to answering that question. As I say, it's nickel and dime stuff in the round. So they have another headache to face, and that is to show uh, the country and the money markets that they can balance the books at some point. Over the medium term, doesn't need to be done today, mm. but what is the plan to get the debt falling? That is a problem, I think, the Chancellor and the Prime Minister know they have, but it's a problem for the moment. They're saying, can wait till another day. But my question is, can it really be done for Britain? Because this is the sort of policy, this idea of putting growth first and that you get that via tax cuts. This is something well known in Republican circles in the United States. They have a massive economy with 330 million people. Does it really work in Britain? You know, the, the, the evidence is incredibly mixed that it does. How can the government stick to that policy that your think tank surely supports? Well, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of tax cuts, but I'm not a big fan of unfunded tax cuts. I'm not sure they do always pay for themselves. I think the picture's a bit more nuanced than that. So I want to see tax come down, but I also want to see spending come down alongside it. We have seen public sector spending outpace economic growth now for the best part of a decade. By far, the public sector has grown faster than the economy. I think that needs to be trimmed. Always difficult to find savings. Easy for an economist to point at numbers on a spreadsheet. Always difficult for a politician to make a case for savings. So I want taxes down, but I don't think you can do that just by borrowing more money. You've got to do that by finding efficiencies and savings in the public sector. And on that, the government has been, let's say, uh, quiet to silent in terms of their uh, in terms of their policy so far, and I think they've actually got to find some areas in which they're going to make savings. They'll obviously talk about efficiency mm. savings, yeah. but they've probably got to find some programmes they're going to cut as well. Yeah, okay. And everybody knows that every, yeah, every government wants to make efficiencies in different departments, but you know, given austerity lasted a decade. Look, Bloomberg Economics thinks that with the Bank of England having to raise rates in nearly 6%, you're going to see at least 1%, possibly double that amount of growth wiped off the UK economy, i.e. you could get more than 2% of GDP by the start of next year wiped out because of this mini budget. I mean, is this really the right plan for Britain for growth? Well, I, I think that probably too much of the... I, I think there's a lot of choppy waters here irrespective of the mini budget, which I don't think the government landed particularly well. I like their thinking that taxes should come down, that spending needs to be constrained, that's at least what they've said in abstract, and that regulations need to be pared back. As a general direction of strategy, I rather approve of that. I think that is the way to get growth. However, it's not enough just to have a strategy. You need to execute it and land that strategy adequately and do all the political management. Now, that's not my field. I work for an economics think tank. But on that side of the ledger, they've done extraordinarily badly. They clearly did not get senior people in their own party on side. They faced a party rebellion. They spooked the markets. That's about delivery. The overall direction that the UK needs to get away from it being the highest tax burden we've had in 70 years as a proportion of national income. That's mm. absurd. Uh, as I say, state spending has gone up more than growth year on year for far too long. And there are huge opportunities for deregulating the supply side of our economy, which no politicians have the bravery to take. They've got the right overall thinking and vision, in my view. But my, oh my, they've got to improve the delivery of, of it. I mean, this has been a, a woeful 10 days in terms of their delivery. Yeah, a woeful 10 days. But can you really get market confidence back to the UK? I mean, after the Boris Johnson years, the pandemic, uh, and now, what, four prime ministers in, in six years in the UK, there, there are real concerns that the foreign buyers of, of guilt in the UK, you know, that, that maybe the UK is not as strong yeah. as it once was. Well, I mean, I think they've, 
they can only address that problem one step at a time. Okay. I don't think there's a single speech that the Prime Minister or the Chancellor can suddenly give from the conference hall to turn that around. British politics has been extremely choppy and uncertain over recent years. Uh, today's another day of uncertainty. I mean, a major statement made on tax and some of it's already unravelled. That credibility can only be gained back one step at a time. And obviously a worry here would have been having you turned on this. Yeah. How much will we trust the next statement of the Chancellor? Or does it just require a, 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 a gaggle of Conservative MPs to, to shout in the newspapers that they don't like it and he'll back down again? So even if he succeeded for the purpose of this conference and what the focus it will be to remove this from the table... It potentially dents his long-term credibility because the next time he stands up and makes a pledge, how confident would one be that it's going to stick for more than 10 days? That's a problem for him. They've now got to earn back that credibility with the markets okay. and politically one small step at a time. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth, and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.